Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plushcare. Plushcare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. This 30-minute podcast features a new author interviewed by me, every single day, 365 days a year for about 30 minutes. I am also the publisher for Zibby Books, which publishes 12 books a year in fiction and memoir. Our books are already out now. You can check it out on zibbybooks.com. And we have a magazine called Zibby Mag, where we have lots of wonderful essays and lifestyle features. That's at zibbymag.com. We have classes at zibbyclasses.com. And I recently opened a bookstore in LA called Zibby's Bookshop at 1113 Montana Avenue at 11th Street in Santa Monica. I hope that you are able to enjoy some of our other offerings. But this here podcast is the basis of all of it and started in 2018. And no matter what I do, this is basically my favorite thing. Enjoy. Karen Lynn Greenberg is the author of You Are Here, a novel. Karen is the author of the short story collections Faulty Predictions, which won the Flannery O'Connor Award for Short Fiction, and Vanished, which won the Prairie Schooner Book Prize. Her novel, You Are Here, came out from Counterpoint Press. She lives in upstate New York and is an associate professor in the English department at Siena College, where she teaches creative writing. Welcome, Karen. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss You Are Here. Thanks so much for having me on, Zimmy. I am sort of like notorious with my team for not noticing things on covers. And I just, (laughs) having looked at this cover 8,000 times over what months, have just noticed that there is a woman on an escalator behind this pattern. It was just a design. That's so cool. Yeah, it's very cool. I just actually just saw the um, cover for the audio and it you see more of the escalator, more of the bottom and the top. And I was like, this is so cool. I, I love that that book cover design. I think they did a really great job with it. Wow, that's amazing. Really amazing. Um, okay, and the story was amazing too. I First of all, I love the Thank whole you. premise. Like a novel set about characters in the mall and the intersecting lives, but then this goes so much deeper and through tragedy and aging and loss and like everything. It is, wow. So anyway. Thank you. Where did the inspiration for the book come? And tell listeners what it's about. 
Yeah, so as you said, it, it centers around a dying shopping mall, and it takes place in the 10 months leading up to the closing of the mall. And there are five point of view characters, and there are lives all intersect with the mall in some way. So there's a nine-year-old boy who is the son of a hairstylist in the mall. She's the only hairstylist left in the mall salon. And he comes to the mall every day after school while she's working. And he is hiding a secret from his mom, which is that he wants to be a magician. And he's he's practicing magic and learning magic <laughs> tricks on YouTube. Um, his mom, as I said, is the lone hairstylist in the mall. She's hiding a secret from her son, which is that she wants to illustrate children's books. There's the third character is a woman named Ro, who's 90 years old. And she comes every week to get her hair styled. And she doesn't really need this, but it's a way to connect with people. The mall is really the place where, where she goes and gets to talk to people. There is a teenager who works in the food court who has aspirations of being an actor and just really wants to get out of there. And then there is a failed PhD student who is the manager of the mall bookstore and um, kind of dragging his feet on what to do with his academic career. So all five of them, you know, come to the mall for different reasons. And then, you know, when they find out the mall is closing, they have to think about what's the next step, what's going to happen, you know, after in, in their lives. I love when um, the boy, I'm really bad with names. What is his name again? Oh, Jackson. And Kevin? Jackson. Uh, Jackson. Jackson's little one, yeah. Yeah. So when Jackson talks to his mom about the, he's like, well, what if you don't leave? What if you just stay here and refuse to go? And like, he's like, I've seen it on YouTube. You can just handcuff yourself to the store basically. And she's like, oh no, you have to really care about the place to do that. (laughs) Right. right. And he's like, you don't care about it. And she's like, I can't be a hairstylist anywhere. And he's like devastated by this. Yeah. 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 Just like the different relationships they have to this place and just his idea of well, how is our life, how's our life going to go on if you don't have this job, you know? And so, yeah, like, yeah, handcuff yourself to this mall that, you know, nobody cares about anymore. And she just thinks, you know, this is, this is totally ludicrous. Yeah. And even when you have like the new architect or whatever he is, mm-hmm. the new developer of the place trying to figure it out and, you know, thinking, or is he going to have apartments or is it going to be another mall? And I feel like Jackson was just like, Jackson, right? Did I yeah, just say it wrong? You got it. Yeah, you got oh my it. gosh. I'm sorry. I'm losing my mind today. <laughs> no, you got um, it. And Jackson was like, you don't even know what it's going to be. Like this whole thing is like, you know, he's like, well, what do you think? You know, we're figuring it out. Right. Like the idea that something that you love could be destroyed and replaced by a question mark. It's like so disheartening. Yeah. I feel that way about stores closing all the time, right. you know, like it's gone, but what's there now? It's not, there's not even anything there. Right. Right. And I think too, with, you know, that character, you know, with kids, I think when you're a kid, you think adults have all the answers. And I think that's yeah. something for him that's confusing. It's just like, well, why don't you know the next step? You should. You're an adult, you know? Yeah. So yeah, just like that that confusion. And I think I think as adults, we've come to embrace this idea that we often don't know, you know, we don't know the next step in even our own lives, you know, not even what's that store going to be, but just what am I doing like after this year, right? Right. Very true. And then you have Roe. And by the way, I used to be obsessed with, I mean, I still am obsessed with taking pictures and all that, but now it's on my phone, but I used to run to the one hour photo place all the time. In fact, my high school, I don't even know why I'm talking about this. Sorry, we'll get back to your book. But my high school graduation, we had this ceremony and it ended at like one and then like everyone was meeting again at four. And so 
I took a whole roll of film and I ran it to the one hour photo, got the photos back and brought them to dinner. And everyone's like, wait, how is that even possible? And I'm like, I went to the one hour photo place. It was really one hour. And people are like, what? It always takes like a day. You know? yeah. Was it a drive through one? Have you seen those? No, no. It was in New York City. It was okay, on like 70th that. and Lex or something. But um yeah, I remember that so well. And just like sitting on the couch. And then when you said doubles, I had actually forgotten that term that like, I want doubles with it. Like, yeah. oh my gosh. Anyway, like developing film. No, and, anyway. I think that's something I miss, you know, that you open yeah. the envelope and you don't know what's going to be in there. You don't know. And it yeah. could just be terrible blurred pictures and you just, you know, the event is gone. So it's, it's something that, yeah, for sure. I miss that, you know, it's, it's so easy now with your phone, but that, you know, opening the envelope and seeing what's there. I think that's, that was exciting. Yeah. I mean, it's also, those are, it's like how you remember everything, at least for me. I feel like if I have a picture, it brings all of it back. But yeah. if I forget to take a picture, I lose the pictures, you know? Anyway, yeah. and just that, yeah, that sense of discovery you have with in the book where it's like, well, you know, and having even to like research where to even get them. She's like, I don't even know where do you, where do you even do this anymore? I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, it, does that exist? Yeah. I was thinking that too. Cause you know, when I was writing it, I was, I was thinking, when was the last time I saw a place that, you know, does like it used to be, you know, every drugstore, but I, so I was yep. walking around, I was thinking in the drugstore, I don't think there's a place here anymore to do this. Yep. I think you can put your, your SIM card in, there's like a machine, yeah, yeah, yeah. but there's not a person. That's not somebody's job anymore to no. to man that booth. So I think, yeah, just a, a big change. Oh my gosh. But of course, what it represents is sort of like, you know, a new entry point into someone's life and emotions and all of that, that you can have one idea of someone and then you see like a prior self, honestly, it's like a before mm. her loss, before all this, her life changed. And how do you reconcile these two totally disparate seeming people and like sort of synthesize all that information. Right. Yeah. That it felt useful to me to try to figure out how are you going to get this character's past, you know, and she's not somebody who's going to talk about it. So it has to be something that is found, you know? So yes, that that's, that's the solution I came upon. That is so cool. That's so cool. Huh. How did you arrive at the different characters? Like, did you, and, and the idea itself, were you wandering around the mall one day and were like, yeah, no, I started. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I started with the first chapter, which started as a story. And I was just mm-hmm. thinking of it as a standalone story. Um, you know, I had, I it started just a conversation. I was getting my hair cut and the woman who's cutting my hair was talking about um, getting scissors sharpened and how it used to be there are people who would come to the salons and they'd do it. And that was their job. And nobody does this anymore. So, I mean, there are a lot of things in this novel about how things used to be versus how they are yes. now. And so she started talking about that. And she said, you know, I have to send my scissors to Japan to get sharpened. And that takes a long time. And then, so I need a second pair. And so I was just thinking about that. And then I just started thinking about, yeah, things that are gone. And, you know, I remember when I was a grad student, I go get my hair cut in the mall and the salon was just gone one day, you know, okay, like, where am I going to go now? And so, yeah, this, this idea of just, you know, things kind of disappearing. And so I I just started that first story and then it got, it got published. And, you know, I was thinking maybe I can keep building because I had that character of Ro, the the 90 year old Mm -hmm. woman in that story. And I thought, 
you know, she's just somebody who comes in in that story. There's like a line or two about her, you know, and Jackson, the, the, the young kid looks at her and just thinks about, you know, he doesn't want to ever be that old. And I thought she's got to have a story, you know? And so I built on her and then I just kept building and thinking, you know, this is this place where people who would never otherwise interact would, you know, come together in some way in this, this mall. So I just kept thinking, what other stories could I build around, um, these characters? And I started it with the idea that it would be a, um, linked stories. And then as I built the stories, I started thinking, well, maybe it's not actually a linked story collection. Maybe it's a novel because there are certain things now that depend on knowing earlier things in order to to understand it. So yeah, it started with one story. And then just from there, you know, where can I go with this? And then just building up this world. Well, that is literally what I thought. I read the first chapter note and I started the second. I was like, oh, it's a different character. We're going to have a whole collection here of linked stories. But yeah. uh, but then, of course, the big event that occurs that I don't want to give away or anything, like when you see a lot of people interacting and it, it changes like the, the narrative and the memories and, you know, people flashing forward, flashing back, like rethinking everything and having everybody all enmeshed in a way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess without keeping it away, I think it's also this idea of an ending, right. And it's another ending and how, how we deal with endings, how we cope with endings, whether they are, you know, dramatic or undramatic, you know, and so that's kind of the the second half it's, you know, multiple endings to, to cope with for the characters. What endings are you working through yourself? (laughs) I'm going to go on a limb and think that maybe you're sort of subconsciously working through your own ending of something. Uh I don't know. Just throwing it out there. That's really interesting. I mean, I think, you know, that's really interesting. I mean, I think, I think in the small ways, right? Like the things that we were just talking about, right? Like, where am I going to get my hair cut now? Or like, what if I wanted to take a roll of photos on, on real film, you know, things like that. But I think for me, you know, I teach. And so I had a lot of visiting jobs before I landed in the one where I am right now. And so I've actually been here where I am in upstate New York, outside of Albany um, for about 10 years now. And it feels really strange to me to not have an ending and to have a a new start because for a lot of years, years, I'd work for a couple of years, pack up, move on, go to the, the next place. And so I think like for me, the the stranger thing is to not have things ending and starting all over again and having, you know, a new place, new people to to discover. So yeah, I think you're right. Probably like a lot of endings that I was thinking of while I was writing this, but now in sort of the strange position of, oh, I can stay for as long as I want. <laughs> How did you get into writing to begin with and teaching? So yeah, writing was just something that I always loved doing. You know, it was just as a as a kid, you know, it was I, I liked writing and drawing. So I think I thought that I was maybe like sort of like Tina, I thought maybe I would like write and illustrate children's books. And then I got to college and I just kept going with writing, probably for like the silliest reason. You know, when you're 18, you make really like dumb decisions sometimes, but there was a lottery for creative writing class. And it was like literally a lottery. It wasn't, you know, you submit a writing sample. So I'd signed up for an art class and a writing class. And I thought, well, if I get into this writing class, that's got to be like a sign from the heavens. And I got into the writing class and again, lot- <laughs> lottery, right? It wasn't like the quality of my work. And I was just like, okay, I guess this is like the path I pursue. And so, yeah, I was, you know, an English major, did a creative writing concentration. And after college I was working, I was, um, I was actually teaching GED and adult ed classes. And then, you Mm -hmm. know, realized that 
I liked teaching, but then I also realized that I really missed, you know, the, like being in writing classes and being in a writing community. So I was, you know, taking continuing ed classes and then went back to school for writing and then got my MFA. And then since then I've been teaching and I've been very fortunate to be able to, to teach creative writing. So I get to talk to young people about, you know, writing stories and poems and essays. So feel very, very lucky. That's awesome. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Sometimes we all have stuff we need to get off our chests. Even if we don't think it's interfering with our daily life, there are some things you just haven't processed, be it grief or trauma, eating disorders, anything. It might be time to work on those things. And I have a solution for you. Therapy. Online therapy by BetterHelp. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I took the brief questionnaire online where there were, I don't know, 20 questions. It didn't take long at all, maybe three minutes. And then I got matched with a therapist who could help me work on whatever. I picked trauma because even though it happened in 2001, I am somehow still not over the loss of my friend on 9-11. And it is what it is. BetterHelp is going to help, and I am so excited, especially because with my special code, instead of $80 a month, it is 10% off, $72 a month, which is so much less than traditional therapy, and you'll get a perfect therapist for you. There are 35,000 therapists to choose from, so you'll find the right one. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash moms don't have time today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash moms don't have time. Are you seeing any themes in the in the writing that's coming from sort of young people today? Yeah. I mean, you know, I was actually just talking to some colleagues about this. You know, I teach a very small school, so I teach all the creative writing classes. So I teach in all genres. And, you know, I, I've been seeing a lot of writing um, since the pandemic, especially about anxiety. And, you know, and, and it, I don't know how to... I don't know. I, I don't know what to do about that as a writing teacher. You know, I think, you know, I'm always thinking, well, how do we make the best and most engaging essay? But I think it's really interesting to see how the pandemic has affected young people. And I think, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, the students I'm dealing with, lots of essays about, you know, they their last year or two of high school was at home or their first year of college was, you know, they're sitting in their dorm and they had to get a assigned time for when they could come pick up their box that was filled with their dinner. And it was really hard to make friends. So of course, of course, you know, these students have a lot of anxiety. Um, so I think, I think that's been really just interesting to notice with, with students. And 
I hope things get better. You know, I, I think they're they're getting a little bit better. And I think one of the things that's really interesting is I think students are really like seeking out connections, whether, you know, in mm-hmm. classes or clubs or anything like that, because they were deprived of it for, for a few years. So definitely something interesting that I think has emerged in some of the, the writing that I see and just, you know, just kind of understanding how incredibly difficult, you know, it is to be a young person right now. And especially the last, mm-hmm. last few years for sure. Yeah. Ugh. I know I think of all my kids and I was just watching my, my son, my youngest son is eight and we were going through my photos as he always does. And we came across a video I didn't even know I had of his Zoom preschool graduation ceremony. Yeah. And it was like so sad. It was just, there we all were on the computer wearing like this pretend paper hat we had made. And I don't know. Right. I right. was like, I can't believe that's how it was for him. I mean, he's fine. He's rolling yeah. with it, whatever. But for knowing what it could have been. Right. It's 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 kind of amazing too how resilient kids are too. I mean, just what a strange time we lived through. And yeah, a Zoom graduation, you know, and graduation is supposed to be this celebratory time where everyone's together and, you know, everyone's sitting in their little box on Zoom. It's it's strange, but yeah. yeah insane. So if you were teaching me how to write an essay for say, what's like, what are some of the most important things or some, what are some of the things that like maybe authors who are listening might not expect that is part of your teaching? Yeah. So I mean, definitely like different things, different genres. I mean, I think when I teach essay writing, I think one of the things for my students, especially is that readers don't know what they know. You know, I think this is one of the hardest things, especially even, you know, students who go from fiction writing to nonfiction writing, because fiction writing, obviously they're making up the world, right? And so they kind of feel like they have to put onto the page this world that they're creating. But in nonfiction, I find a lot of students kind of forget, you know, I'll say things like, who is this person you've been talking to for five pages? You know, like, is this a relative? Is it a, like, who is mm. this? You know, things like that. And then something I've been working with, and this isn't saying that every essay needs to have it, but it's just scenes. You know, I think mm-hmm. students oftentimes especially coming from academic writing. I mean, this is something across all, you know, creative prose. Students just are not used to writing scenes with dialogue and action and description. You know, they're used to making arguments. And so, you know, it's like sensory details. And I say, you know, what did it smell like? You know, what did it feel like? Was it cold? Was it hot? You know, so some of those things, I think that, you know, when people are nudged, I think they can, you know, vividly, you know, fill out these scenes, but I think sometimes forget, especially moving from academic writing to to creative writing. Interesting. I feel like one piece of advice I got that I love is like, don't underestimate the reader. Yeah. Like I felt like I need to like explain a little bit or whatever. And they're like, no, no, no. you can like jump a hundred years and like, they'll catch on. Right. What? Right. <laughs> yeah. One thing too, I think that's interesting. Yeah. Like that sort of over explaining. And then I don't know where this comes from, but I find that a lot of times students want to give a moral at the end. And so it's like, Mm. therefore, you know, from from (laughs) this experience, you need to, you know, appreciate your grandparents because they won't always be there. And it's like, no, we get it. We get it, you know, from, from the story itself. So, so yeah, I I think that goes to exactly what you're saying. Like readers will get it. Readers will put, put those things together. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So what is it like now having the book come out? I think it's exciting. You know, I had, um, two story collections come out and they, you know, from, from university presses. And so I think probably fewer people got those books in their hands. So I think it's just exciting that people are interested in reading this book. And, you know, it's interesting because a lot of people say to me, I don't like stories, but I like novels. 
And so mm-hmm. just, just the genre itself, I think, has gotten people more excited to to read it. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, again, I sort of I sort of think of each chapter almost like a story, like sort of, you know, has like kind of the movement of a of a story. But yeah, it's just exciting that people are excited to read it and that, you know, I think, you know, my press has been doing just a great job of getting it into to people's hands. And so I'm excited to hear what people think about it and hopefully they like it. Yeah. Oh, that's so great. What's your favorite mall? My favorite mall. You know, it's interesting because it's like people think that like I maybe am a mall expert and I feel like I'm... I'm not saying you're an expert. I'm just wondering. Yeah. I mean, you know, so, I mean, I grew up in New Jersey and so the mall that I would go to as a kid was the Short Hills Mall and I haven't haven't been there in, in forever and one of the things that's interesting, so yeah, I mean, I was actually thinking about, you know, sort of my mall experiences as of late, and I almost like never go to the mall anymore. Yeah. I don't know if I should admit this. I mean, I usually find myself going if I have to bring my computer to the Apple store. And then, so then I just walk around and just like, what's going on? And I don't know if you've been to a mall lately, but they're like, they've changed and they're really strange. They're like these entertainment centers now. You know, mm-hmm. I went, I went to my local mall and there were, I think three escape rooms. And I was like, wow, why do you need so many escape rooms in a mall? Wait, That's amazing. I need to go there and take the kids and like, (laughs) there's like, there's mini golf. There's just all, Oh my gosh. Wow. It's like an entertainment center. And yeah, I was like, and then over the winter I was driving, I was teaching in Pittsburgh at a low residency MFA and I was driving home and I stopped in a mall out there and there is, I don't know what they're called, but they're these like big round plastic balls that you can go in and roll around in. I don't know if you know <laughs> what those are. And there was like a storefront that used to be a storefront that was filled with these big plastic balls that people could like roll around and like bump into their friends in. And I just thought like, huh. I just, I just got out to like stretch my yeah. legs and walk around. And yeah. I was just like, yeah. malls have gotten really weird lately. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I actually, I did not grow up going to malls because I'm from New York City. Mm-hmm. So Whenever I would occasionally go to a mall, I'm like, this is nuts. I can't believe this. All these stores like right here. But um, I did go. I took my kids who had, I don't think, ever been to a mall. We were dropping my son off somewhere and he needed like an hour to like hang out with someone. And we were like, what are we going to do in White Plains for an hour? So anyway, we went to the mall and it was fantastic. We did. I was like, you guys, it's almost Christmas. Like, not that we celebrate Christmas, but I was like, let's do all our holiday shopping now. And so we like raced around. It was so fun, (laughs) but it was like, it was, it was like an activity. It was like an activity, a blast from the past. Yeah. And I mean, it sounds like you were with your family, but you know, I think about teenagers too, and and malls being such a great place for them because, you know, you can walk around. It's relatively safe. You know, you don't have to buy things. You can spend hours there. You can see your friends there. It's, you know, so yeah, I mean, just as like a place, I think they're just kind of an interesting place to think about and to think about the reasons why people go to them. That's so funny. I've literally never thought about how convenient it would be as a parent to have a teenager at the mall. I've only thought about it as me, the teenager. (laughs) Right. That's so funny. Or like other, that's, yeah, that would be convenient. Well, maybe I'll just drive them all to White Plains. Just drop them off. Yeah. (laughs) They'll be fine. They'll be fine. They'll They'll, figure it out. They could roll around some plastic balls, you know. Yeah, exactly. It sounds like (laughs) mini golfing and have time in their lives. Right. So what, uh, do you have another book coming up? What are you working on now? Or more stories? So I, I've been working on stories just here and there. And, you know, I just, I feel like that's, that's kind of what I started doing as a writer. And so I feel weird if I'm not writing stories, but I'm also working on a, a new novel too, and sort of in earlier 
stages of it and just trying to figure things out and kind of a, you know, things are kind of messy right now and just like all these files in a big folder. And so it's not ready for other eyes yet, I guess. But yeah, yeah, definitely the idea of after writing this, you know, the idea of sustaining a longer narrative, I think is been an interesting challenge for me coming from writing stories from for many years. That's cool. I like it. Well, I really love the idea. I'm always wondering about what's people's backstory. How did we all end up in the same place? Like where did everybody, where were they before? What's their story in life? Like where are they going after? I don't know. I think about, I used to exercise like back in the day and I would like sit in the spinning class and I'm like, what is all, where did they, where are they, why is she upset? Where'd she come from? Where's she going next? Right, like, right. Know. No, those are, those are the questions. I thought I, I thought I was weird until no, I was like, not. oh, every, every novelist thinks right. like this. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, what's that story? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, what's the story? <laughs> anyway. Well, Karen, thanks so much. This was really fun. Thank and you. congratulations on your book and best of luck with the launch and all that. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Okay. All right. Take care. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. 